Just before we get into this podcast, just a quick note from Henry and I. We absolutely love hosting the Badminton Podcast, but whilst juggling full-time jobs and bearing the costs of the editing so that we can bring you higher quality episodes and regular episodes, we would love your support. And you can support us through our Patreon account where you can pledge just a little bit per month that's just going to help the Badminton Podcast keep running regularly and to keep serving your badminton needs. So, when you can, please log on to www.patreon.com slash the badminton podcast, no spaces, and pledge a small amount. It's just really going to help us to keep this podcast going. Thanks a lot. Brought to you from Melbourne, Australia, this is the Badminton Podcast, a community for badminton players by badminton players where we talk badminton, celebrate local heroes, interview players from all walks of life, and push you to grow as a player and a person. Introducing your hosts, Jeff and Henry. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Badminton Podcast, proudly brought to you by Volantwear, the brand that's offering the world versatile badminton apparel. We're here with Volantwear and the Badminton Podcast because we love badminton and we want to share our love for the sport with everyone in it and build our badminton community. So here today, we don't have Henry here again for this episode because unfortunately he's back in Melbourne and we are currently at the Indonesia Masters 2020 in Jakarta. And right next to me, I have Gronya, who is going to be my co-host and our lovely guest who Gronya is going to introduce for us. So here today we have Kirsty, who is a Scottish badminton player currently ranked 32 in the world, but has been as high as 14. She's a double Commonwealth Games medalist and triple European silver medalist. She started playing at age four and lives and trains in Glasgow. She's been a full-time player since leaving school, but managed to squeeze in a degree in filmmaking and screenwriting from the University of the West of Scotland. Trust yourself and trust your instincts. There's only so many routines you can run and techniques you can practice before it all just has to click in and become automatic. So I'd say like trust your instincts. I think badminton's so great because like I say like you could have your whole family playing it from your tiniest little cousins to your grandma and grandpa. So whether it's a family thing or a friends thing I think enjoy who you're doing it with. Welcome Kirsty. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah, not bad. It's been a good little day of training here in Jakarta, getting my bearings. I say getting my bearings. I think this is maybe like the seventh time I've been here or something like that. So yeah, just uh, getting ready. It's been my first day here. So yeah, getting ready. Yeah. And for dinner last night, you actually sh- showed us where to go. Yeah. Than, yeah you, you knew this place better than some of the locals, I think. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I know the Sinai Plaza and Sinai City pretty well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, Kirsty, thanks so much for being on the podcast with us. It's really exciting because we're going to ask you a few fun questions to start off with. All right. And this is just to, for all the people out there who don't know who Kirsty Gilmore is, um, this is a little bit of an insight to that. So okay. nothing too serious. We're going to get into the serious stuff a bit later on. Cool. Okay. So the first question I want to ask is from a scale of one to 10, how weird would you think that you'd be? <laughs> 10 being like a nutcase. 10 being completely, I think I'm the weirdest person in the world. And one being, I'm so normal. Like my I'm face boring. is just blank. You're, I'm just boring. 
Hopefully no one's a one. Jeez. Um, oh, see, this is the funny thing. If, if this was meant to be quickfire, I'm sorry, it's not going to be. Um, when I go away to tournaments with Adam Hall, we have just like evenings where we just... I don't know what happens. We we are full scale eleven <laughs> on the weird weird factor. Like I just we just have like small mental breakdowns and we just the people that are around us are like, guys, are you okay? And we're That's like, the best thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I'd say like day to day, like a five or a six. But then I can, I mean, it can crank up to eleven on on those those trips with Adam. And I, neither yeah. of us know why. <laughs> so so why Adam? I don't know. Oh, they probably just feed just up click, each other. You just yeah, click and just in like it. Escalate. just gets weirder and weirder. One person comes up with like a really good pun and then it's just the rest <laughs> of the days are right off because it's going to snowball into insanity. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. A bit of a pun fan. I don't really have any good puns. Do you have a good pun for us to start? Oh, none off the bat, but like... Kind of just has to be in the moment. Yeah, you, yeah. Ju- you just come up with them and Adam... Adam is very good. Adam. <laughs> so shout out to Adam. Hey. <laughs> okay, what's Bit of quick the next fire? one? What's your favourite quote? Ooh, favourite quote. Um, Are you much of a quotes person? I do quite like a quote, yeah. Um, my laptop background is work hard in silence, let your results be the noise. Um, that's quite a good one. Mm. I've got get stuff done seeing as this is a censored it podcast yeah. <laughs> I imagine um, so stuff it's not actually stuff <laughs> get stuff done um, which is just a nice like simple one when you're just kind of like you're, you're like you can be the busiest person in the world but you always have time to do like the important things so um, yeah I use that one quite a lot um, those are two two main ones uh, pressure is a privilege as well pressure Pressure's a privilege. A good nice. One. I think I, I want to say that's Billie Jean King. And I think that's a good one because you can use pressure however you want. You can crumble, Bubble, you can yeah. fold, yeah. or you can see it as like, I, this pressure wouldn't be on my shoulders if I wasn't great at what I do. Yeah. So there's a reason why mm-hmm. you have that pressure. So I also like that one. There's cool. three for you. Yeah, three. You're <laughs> getting more than we bargained for. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so a bit of quick fire. Favorite color? This turquoisey blue that I'm kind of kitted out in right now. <laughs> I thought that was green. <laughs> green, blue. Greeny, bluey kind of. Okay. Yeah, turquoise. Cool. Favorite song? Oh, always come back. Well, no, I'm, I always say Paramore Misery Business, which will always be one of my favorite songs. But like a newer one would be a band called Muna and a song called Stay Away. If you haven't heard them, they're amazing. I haven't heard them. I didn't think you would have. <laughs> <laughs> Um, does pineapple belong on a pizza? No. No? No. <laughs> Favourite holiday destination? Ooh, oh, Scotland seems like cheating, but I do love the holiday in Scotland. Um, Canada, I would say Canada. I've got some family in Canada and it's so big that I feel like you could go back a lot of times and see different things every time. Cool. Canada for winter or summer though? I've never been in winter. Yeah. So At negative 30? Like one, like the first trip after I retire is going to be skiing mm-hmm. and oh, maybe nice. in Canada right. just because it's something you can't do when you're playing because it might not even be your fault like someone yeah. else could just mm. career into the back of you and career over so, sure and with yeah. that skiing or snowboarding oh I'm better at skiing but you look cooler snowboarding <laughs> so it's tricky but which one's more fun to do I think because I'm better at skiing I'll go skiing sure how do you have your eggs scrambled 
on sourdough. What's your comfort food? Um, pizza, probably. Or there's very, very Scottish things called uh, potato scones. They're pretty much just like potato and flour packed into kind of like a triangle. And they're terrible for you, but the best, like, gooeyest food ever. So that's like a comfort breakfast food. Yeah. <laughs> I know you love your coffee, so how do you take your coffee? Ooh, mostly a flat white. Um, but on occasion, or if I'm in like a specifically good coffee place, I'll always try like one of their filters just to see what it's like with no milk or anything added. So like filter or flat white. Who's for flat white? Cool. Cats versus dogs? I'm more of a dog person, but my dad and his partner breed cats. So I do also love cats and there can be like... I think they're the most they've had in the house is like 30. 30, three zero. Like three zero, <laughs> yeah. Um, where like, yeah, it was because two or three cats had uh, litters all at the same time and they ended up with about 30 cats in the house. So mm-hmm. I've come round to cats, but I'm going to lean dog on this one. Yes. <laughs> That's 30 too many cats for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, pancake versus waffles. Pancake, next question. Winter versus summer. Um, summer, because almost the whole year is winter in Scotland. <laughs> That's true. It can feel like that. So I do love a bit of sunshine and I'm very vitamin D deprived. So I need this all the sun you need I can summer. get. <laughs> Mac versus PC. Um, Mac. I'm a convert. Mac, Same. but I'm also Android currently. Oh, Android, not iOS. Yeah. Okay, big one. I know. Big um, change. Yeah, I went Samsung when we got the phone in Rio mm. um, and I left my iPhone in a taxi, which pains me to talk about. So I was like forced to use that Samsung and then I just kind of stuck with Android. But I'm not opposed to going back to Apple. To Apple. Yeah. Okay. Another one for the filmmaker, comedy versus horror. Do you know, this is controversial, but a uh, um, genre that I quite like and is being done very well right now is like, comedy horror kind of like uh, ready or not or get out oh yeah as, those kind of like ones that you're like disturbed by but then there's also laughs in there yeah like i quite like that genre but i don't really like horrors i think it's very difficult to do horror well so i'll go comedy wait so you don't like horror because of the quality of the film not because you'll be scared yeah and also, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of being scared. Yeah, <laughs> why would you, yeah. why would exactly. you pay to be terrified? Exactly. It's entertainment. It's called entertainment, right? Yeah. Why would you Some people love entertain it. yourself by being absolutely... I know, I get... And some people just don't actually get scared as well. Yeah, I get enough like, adrenaline, like, like, on court and everything. Like, I don't need yeah, more of that. You've got enough of that. Yeah. yeah. True. True. Um, what languages do you speak? English. Scottish. Which is a whole other kettle of fish um not really but some of it's quite weird um and like very basic school french but it's like okay it's the one that i can um understand the most probably okay and then i've picked up a little bit of dutch i should have picked up more danish but man that's the hardest language ever i've got a german coach now so maybe i'll maybe i'll pick up some german Mm -hmm. yeah and what language do you wish you could speak I really wish I could speak sign language. 
Oh, really? But it's difficult because, like, you would think it was a universal, like, one language, but there's, like, American Sign Language, British Sign Language. Is it? Yeah. I did not know that. Different language. Dialects. Dialects. As, as you'd expect, yeah. expect there to be. Yeah. And I know. So, you, like, yeah. it's always, I've always, like, seen people using it. I think that would be really useful and that would be really cool to be able to do that. And, like, I have a niece who's one and all of like, or like one of her favorite programs is Mr. Tumble. And he speaks in Makaton, he always does Makaton, which is like a really simplified version of um, sign language, which I think is really, really cool. It's just like a kid's TV program and they're just like learning sign, sign language. language. Oh, right. Really, really cool. Yeah. Grania, what language do you wish you could speak? Uh, probably some European one. I think French or like Spanish sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, Spanish yeah. would be useful. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's a, like second much. Chinese and Spanish. Chinese. Yeah. yeah. If you could speak Chinese and Spanish, man, you could rule the world. <laughs> and English. You probably need a little bit yeah, of English in there. Of English. <laughs> okay, and last question before we get into the badminton talk. Mm -hmm. If you were given $1 million and you had to spend it right away, yeah. what other things you would spend it on? Oh, I think I would go for like one long-lasting thing and then just one like immediate enjoyment thing so i would go for like maybe like just a ridiculous holiday probably you could probably stretch that for like a six month holiday yeah um maybe like finance a film of some sort i don't really have any ideas right now but um there's so many like badminton films coming out Right now, is like there? there's the Chong Wei one, yeah. there's Suzy yeah. Santi one, Sina, mm. there's a Sina one, maybe a Sindhu one? Yeah, I think, I think there's maybe a Sindhu one too. Yeah. Um, so there's like lots of cool badminton films coming out, so like maybe something along that line. Okay, so it, would, it could be badminton related. It could be, it might not necessarily okay. be. Yeah. yeah. But do you, do you guys get. Um, like quite excited when someone mentions badminton or there's anything to do with badminton in like a film or a TV program. Yeah, like it's definitely. Cool. Yeah, there's, because it's never there. It's never there. Oh, I mean, a lot of the time it's like the butt of a joke. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I'm always like, oh my god, but that's that's us. Yeah, that's yeah. us. We do. Us. <laughs> yeah. Now, being from the UK, did you ever watch the Inbetweeners? It's probably a stupid question. Yeah. But in the first season of Inbetweeners, they talk about badminton. Do they? Yeah. Oh, totally um, if anyone knows Inbetweeners, Neil's dad goes out to play badminton, oh, which yeah. is a euphemism for something that's not very pleasant. Yeah. But that's that's how it's often related. Pretty much, yeah. Or it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's seen as like the worst sport, and you just want to like stop the film and just be like, no, listen, I want to explain why it's not. It's <laughs> not like actually justify. that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And when you said ridiculous holiday, what is ridiculous? Island top rounds, like Fiji, Seychelles, Maldives, Mauritius, like those kind of once in a lifetime yeah. places. Um, like five star resorts. Five star class, resorts, yeah. Flights. But and try and do it eco-friendly as well. So yeah. like not private jets yeah. and stuff. You can maybe like do like a really cool backpacking, mm. but in five-star accommodation, not hostels. <laughs> not hostels, yeah, yeah, yeah. So would it be a chill holiday or going out bungee okay. jumping and uh, scuba diving and... I like a bit of both. My yeah. capacity to lie still for a long period of time is quite good. Yeah, I can do that pretty well. <laughs> I thought you were going to say not very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, like, no, it's pretty good. Uh, well, like, I'm pretty good at that. Sometimes I think I'm not, and then I compare myself to like other people who literally can't sit still, and I'm like, mm. oh no, 
I don't I like can. it. <laughs> I, can actually, I can actually sit still. Yeah, I can yeah. sit on my butt for a long yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kirsty. so we know a little bit more about you now outside badminton. Let's delve right into the badminton game. Now, how, so you started playing when you were, was it four? Like four, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, my dad that, was a national junior coach. Ah, uh, that's why. Um, so I've, I think I've hit up, you know, most of the sports centres in the central belt of Scotland because he would just uh, like have coaching in different areas every night of the week and we'd pretty much just go with him. Like I started just taking my football with me and then eventually I started actually playing badminton. Yeah. Um, but yeah, since I've probably held a racket since I was about four. Yeah. About so, four. Yeah, I've been 22 years in this game, which is a, a shocking fact. <laughs> <laughs> you had an eight-year head start on me. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Eight year. Yeah. yeah you had, Some yeah, people about are like, 60. "Oh, I didn't uh, start until I was like 12," and I'm like, "What? Like, I was." I'd been playing for so long. <laughs> I, would have, I would have smashed you. <laughs> I would have smashed you when we were eight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> so from there, how, what's your badminton journey been like? What are the main things that have happened? Um, I think I've had like a pretty um, standard badminton journey. Like it's not been hugely controversial or anything. So I started like with my dad and things and I used to do gymnastics and football as well. Um, all when I was a kid, tried my hand at karate, very bored with that. Um, and then I went to high school and I chose to go to the Glasgow School of Sport. So there you specialize in one of five sports. So it's either badminton, swimming, athletics, hockey, or gymnastics. Uh, so I obviously was badminton. And it means that when you start doing your exams, all the normal school, as we would call it, all the normal school. So all, the, all the normies. So it's attached. All the muggles. Yeah, all the muggles. <laughs> the muggles would do eight uh, exams and we would do six. Um, so it's attached to, you can go to Bell Houston Academy without going to the school of sport. Yeah. Or if you go to the school of sport, you also go to Bell Houston Academy. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah, they did eight, eight exams uh, and we did six. And then when you do your final exams, uh, normal school people would do five we did three so for those extra um, that extra time we would just train and then I started in a thing called the junior high performance squad which was like a few evenings a week um, through Bampton Scotland and then I finished school and I went to university straight away because I was like if I don't go straight away I'm not going to go <laughs> if I take a year out if I uh, take a gap year then I'm not going to go back uh, so I just went straight away um, balanced that between like national squad training and finished that finished a three-year degree in four years because I did part-time and then yeah just continued training with the national team yeah that's the that's, that's the whole journey yeah and here we are yeah, so 22 years later, yeah. you're still playing the sport. There must be something that kept you in it. What do you love about the sport and why are you still here? Why are you still playing when it's been that long? Yeah, are you bored yet? That's a good question. <laughs> um, no, I don't think I don't think boredom because I think badminton comes in like such so many cycles. Um, and there's constantly new people pushing up through the rankings. There's always new people to play. So I don't think you can really ever get bored of the, the competing part. But I think it's the traveling and the day-to-day the -day is, is hard, it's difficult. And it's difficult to do by myself, which a lot of the trips are. Um, just the nature of 
where Scottish badminton is right now. We've got some people kind of pushing up the rankings and hopefully they can start coming uh, on these trips with me, which would be nice. But yeah, no, I what keeps me playing? I think it's the anticipation and the like, the knowing that you are capable, what you're capable of, whether you can necessarily go out and do that is another matter. But just having that like, oh, this could be the, this could be the tournament that like sets it all off. And it's a tricky one because I've felt that so many times and I've a few times managed to keep the ball rolling on that momentum of like winning. But then I've had a few setbacks, I've had like a knee operation and things, which makes you drop down the ranking. You have to find that momentum all over again. But yeah, probably just the, the winning and the anticipation of the next uh, tournament. Because I, I love the day when the draw comes out and you're just like, oh my God, like who am I going to play? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I just, it's, the, it's the playing, I'd say. It's the like playing. The actual competing. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Okay. That's interesting because when we ask that question, a lot of people talk about either the sport itself so they love how which you probably do as well but the first thing i usually say is i love that it's it's power it's speed it's skill it's fitness it's everything it's so Mm -hmm. we were watching the aerial skiers yesterday jesse you remember no who was that that? Um, oh no i thought you were there at that time and you were like imagine just doing that every single day Oh, oh yeah, 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 it was right. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you're thinking the, um, ski jumps. Yeah, yeah. it was like you just do that every single day. Imagine and you jump. just jump. Yeah, the same jump every one, day. One like closed skill, like to go down mm-hmm. a hill and, and jump. And don't get me wrong, They're the adrenaline athletes, yeah. that you must get from that, it must be amazing. But yeah, like what we were saying, like our sport just encapsulates, like badminton encapsulates every aspect of fitness Mm. i think it's endurance but it's also anaerobic and it's also speeds mixed with power but you can't give up too much agility and then you've got the control you've got not getting injured in amongst all of that and then you've got the tactical Tactical, sides of it and the the shot quality part you can be the best tactician in the world but if you have terrible shot quality then yeah you're not going to be not very very good yeah no tactics on earth will save you from poor shot quality exactly Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I'm a huge believer in it's not how you do it, it's like what you're doing. Or is it? Or is it the other way around? No, it's what you're doing. It's not it's what you're doing, it's not how, how you're, you're doing. doing it. Yeah. I think technique and stuff is important, but I think everyone's technique is different. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if um, you're really breaking down into like the tiny minutiae of a, a certain movement, I think it's more about the shot quality and finding the best way for you. Yeah. Like it could be a very unorthodox technique, but if you're hitting a great shot off of it, I don't really think it matters. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. We were talking about the the, the other day with Marin's overhead, Mm. how it's pretty unorthodox compared to like a lot of the other players at the moment. And then we were just saying like, wow, that's like the steepest shot, like the angle she's getting on that, the snap, and like she's still able to play like the reverse. Reverse from that The reverse even though. Absolutely, yeah. I always think that about like Momota's defence. Obviously he's a lefty and... You know, the textbooks would say to have like a neutral racket position, like somewhere in front of you so you can see your racket. His, like, his wrist is on his hip. Yeah, by his side. It's by his side. And like, that just, that just works for him. So, yeah, yeah I think there's, there's so much creativity in amongst it. So I guess that is a, that is another good answer. Yeah. Oh, that can be my second answer. Just the, the creativity that you can have within this sport is quite unique. Hmm. I haven't actually thought of it that way because a lot of people talk about, how important certain techniques are and this is the right technique this is the wrong technique but at the end of the day the the 
tested as to whether it's the right or wrong is just the, sh the shot quality. Yeah. It's not really about the technique itself. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people try to fix technique and try to make it look a certain way, which it needs to look a certain type of way for, there, in order for it to work. Yeah, there's but, like an efficient yeah. way to do something. Mm. I say if it's not producing the right results, then find a way that works best for you and then that becomes your most efficient way. Yeah, mm. exactly. One thing our older coach kind of always talked to us about was that he thought technique was very specific to kind of like how your body worked and your the way it like moved and what you were like physically capable of and he always advised us to find someone who had a similar similar body type and like see how they did stuff yeah. because you can't try and copy someone who's you know tiny or yeah like just like has a totally different composition to you definitely like okahara is not going to have the same technique as sindhu yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. they, they can Completely. go toe to toe mm -hmm. and play an hour and 51 minute match mm -hmm. like that's incredible um and yeah like you say like everyone's the way everyone does things is different is so individual like some people walk with their feet out some people yeah. walk with their feet in so like you're not going to be able to change that and that's going to relate into how they play on court mm. so yeah it's all very individualistic mm. what sure. a word. and that's what's great from compared to other sports where you know you have gymnasts that are all kind of that same height they yeah. all have that same like you know strong composition or like marathon runners that are all tiny and can like so skinny and that kind of thing whereas us we have huge people tiny people yeah that's always like my uh selling point for badminton for like <laughs> beginners it's like anyone can play mm -hmm. like anyone like tennis typically tall, tall to get that serve um quite broad upper body to get that power but in badminton you could be you could be six you could be 96 and you can you can still have some sort of a a game mm. um and especially like you're closer to each other than on a tennis court. It's basically just bashing tennis. My, uh, <laughs> my bashing I love tennis. this. <laughs> I love my, uh, <laughs> my my pitch, my sailing pitch is pretty much just like it's better than tennis. <laughs> <laughs> the shuttle stays where it falls. You don't have to chase after it. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no ball boys. There's no, There's no yeah, ball you boys. You don't have to, um, you know, hire ball boys. Um, so yeah, and you can be any shape or size, and I think that's like pretty unique. I mean, there are certain attributes that are beneficial. Beneficial, yeah, that's right. But some people, you're like, you would never be a good player, and then suddenly they're incredible. Yeah. Even people where you know, there's players that are obviously less fit than others, but they make up for it in other ways. Like maybe they have a crazy jump out of nowhere, or they're like yeah. just so skillful, or can just like purely read the game. Yeah, you can just make up for all these kind of areas that you might be lacking in other ways. Whereas some sports, you know, when it's just brute like speed or something it's yeah. like you just, you just that's the one thing you got to do yeah. and you have to yeah, do it yeah exactly yeah you can kind of like not hide weaknesses but like that's just not something that you're going to rely on like i'd probably always come back to like my physical like my physical abilities are my strengths whereas i could you know if i could steal some indonesian skills that would be amazing <laughs> so i work on my skills because fitness comes like quite naturally to me mm. so yeah and it's different different for everyone Yes. Yeah. And still on this topic of badminton and your badminton career, what would you say, out of all the things that you've been through, so starting off at a really young age, playing as you grew up with your dad as the, the national junior coach, yeah. um, having a knee injury, being as high as number 14 in the world, Commonwealth Games medals, European Games medals, what would you say would be the thing the lessons that you have learned. So what's maybe the biggest lesson or life teaching? It doesn't have to be related to badminton directly, but what would you say is that badminton has really taught you? 
Badminton has taught me being a singles player, this might sound like a strange one, but that you can't do it by yourself. Then you're always you're gonna need a team around you. And if it's if they're not a sports specific team, you're gonna need like your friends and your family and people on tour and stuff. So I think yeah, you can't do it alone. You can't do anything alone yeah. really is has been a big one and it's probably a big lesson that I've learned maybe like the last two or, two or three years because I've found that every time I've done like really well under pressure it's been when I've had a coach and another support staff normally from the Institute of Scottish Institute of Sport so if I look back at all the instances um, like the Glasgow Commonwealth Games, all the Europeans, the three Europeans, the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games, they've all been when I've had like a coach and then been able to have like direct access to physio, direct access to uh, sports psychologists, doctors. There's always just been like a little team around it with one goal in mind. And when you're all like focusing on one thing, and I think that's really cool rather than trying to like or a lot of my tournaments like I'm at this one alone like no coach no other players it's really difficult to set your own schedule keep on top of yourself in the gym and just organize everything yourself it's nice mm. to for that to be taken care of and it's like just just performance, focus. Yeah, yeah. Just performance orientated I think that's um one of the biggest lessons I've learned in the last nice. few years yeah that brings to mind a quote. Like we were talking about quotes at the start that yeah. I really like. And it goes, you've probably heard of it. It goes like this. It goes, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go together or yeah. go with the team. Like Which that. it doesn't mean you can't go far by yourself. It's just a lot of hard work. And yeah. it doesn't mean you can't go fast as a team. But usually to get people on board, it's a bit takes a bit longer than actually just doing everything by itself. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's, really, it's a really difficult one because like at a tournament like this, I find myself being the player but also the manager, manager. and kind of a bit of a coach because I'm trying to think of what I want to work on in this specific training uh, session rather than someone just telling me or like figuring it out together. That's another really good uh, part. The, the coaches I've had recently, or I think it's more that... Like I've, as I've grown up, I've gotten better at saying what I think and what you need and what I need and knowing that as well. But I've been quite lucky in the coaches that I've had in the last few years. And I've had a lot of coaches, guys. The turnover has been high. <laughs> um, but as I've gotten older, my coaching setups have become more collaborative and it's been less um, telling Tell and more like figuring out and like sitting down and kind of talking through different goals in different areas for like technical tactical physical mental and then the performance goals uh, those are the kind of ones that we work through but really trying to like sit down and be like right okay what do we want to get out of this tournament this training session or this training block and kind of working that way i yeah. found that to be really really nice over the last few years and to be like heard more and respected more i found it really difficult when i was like 19 20 21 to kind of like walk into an office and be like this is this is what I want. Yeah. And now I just kind of get to start fresh with a coach and be like, right, okay, how do you work? This is how I work. How are we going to work together? Yeah. Let's not one of us compromise so much and the other one just leads the way. Let's kind of, yeah, work it more as a collaboration. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So, Kirsty, coming back to being a singles player and having a team around you, then you come to tournaments like this one and you're by yourself 
And look, you're hanging around with us, you're hanging around with a lot of different other teams and training with the other teams as well. But it can get quite, lonely might be a little bit of a negative word, but it can get a little bit lonely and isolated. Um, I know how you feel because when I was traveling and training, I was doing a lot by myself. I remember I was training in Denmark and I was living by myself. I went to the training center, there was people there. But then when one of the coaches actually came over a few weeks later, it was amazing. It was like, holy crap, I have someone to actually talk to now. And I was literally going insane because I just had no one around me. Um, Which brings up my next question, and it's what we've talked about in the past as well, and it just relates to a bit of the mentality and the mental health around this kind of thing because you're in such high-demanding environments. So you have to compete. You have to keep yourself injury-free. You have to train. You have to know what's right for you. You need to be the manager, the coach, the player, especially when you are by yourself. How does that take its toll emotionally? Um, It's difficult. You're doing all these things by yourself and you go to the training centres, you go to the training sessions and then you, you know, you chat away to everyone, you work together and then you go home and you, you, or you go back to your hotel or your apartment and then it's just you. Yeah. It's just, it's like, it's it's the, it's the highs and the lows of socialising, I think, that uh, is hard for me. Because when everyone's together, it's so buzzy and so intense and everyone has a lot of fun. And then most people, I would say, share rooms with with others Mm -hmm. from their countries or, you know, whatever. But then a lot of the time I'll go back to my hotel room and it's quiet. (laughs) Um, So I I do find that really difficult. And yeah, I mean, lonely is not a... too far off mm. the, the truth to be honest I just spoke about like having a sports psychologist but I'd say probably maybe the middle of last year um, I found that I was like kind of talking about and addressing issues like off the court too much with my sports psychologist who I would tell everything to like mm. Simon is incredible um, but I felt like we weren't really spending enough time on the like on court stuff and like how yeah and how to get into the zone for matches it was kind of like dealing with the off court things the life things um so now i have like simon for sports psychology and then i have uh, another woman like for more clinical psychology uh, that i see not so regularly probably like once a month or something mm-hmm. but it's just really nice to be able to like when you're just not okay and for someone to just like listen to because I find it quite hard to kind of put that all on my friends all the time I feel like I um don't want to I don't want to just like be moaning all the time yeah yeah because like I mean it is the vast majority of the time where like I'll go to tournaments by myself and last year was like it was pretty hard but now I've found like a really good uh nice nice flow with uh, I share with Mia uh, Blickfeld from Denmark a lot of the time and that's uh, we have a lot of fun when we share rooms so that's that's really nice actually um, I can attest to that yeah you've been, you've yeah. been part yeah, of that yeah I've been part of that sometimes yeah. just because, I'm like what is going on what is, here what is, oh. this is deep they're just like don't worry so well like me, me, coming back to the first question how weird am I Mia often stops me and is like Kirsty, you're so weird. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but so are you, but like in a different way. <laughs> We're weird in different ways. Um, but yeah, um, it is difficult to do by yourself. So I'm really glad that I've got someone to just kind of offload and the kind of 
the intensity and the socializing and also the intensity of like an arena and like everyone watching you and then especially when it's like in Asia and especially he maybe here in the Astora and then you kind of go home and you're just Kirsty again yeah when there's like people screaming your name and stuff in the Astora Sanine and then you just go home back to Scotston and it's just like just quiet yeah, ends, yeah. The come down is uh, is quite a lot so I find it goes in like patches of intensity and I, sh I, I do struggle with that sometimes and also kind of patches of like never really feeling like you have a, a base or you can't get into like any sort of routine when you go home because you're just going to leave again in 10 days mm. and you must struggle with that too because yeah. Australia is so far wow. away from everything mm. we have some tournaments in Europe but you have to do like a long haul every single time mm -hmm. pretty much for every tournament yeah so that must be tough for you yeah. as well I like the fact that thanks for being open about um seeing having a sports psychologist and then having another psychologist on the other side to help with life stuff because I think it's something that the world is a lot more aware of now about mental health but it's not really something that is addressed a lot in badminton itself. Yeah. I think it hasn't matured quite to a stage there. Yeah, I think there's some athletes that have come out um, and said and kind of spoken quite openly about mental health in like athletics mm. and maybe like cycling and swimming and sports like that. Um, but I would say kind of like in team sports and in badminton, it's not like it's not hugely touched upon specifically, really that that I've noticed. I had really good chats with uh, Sean Casey, who worked with Victor Axelson, um, his kind of S&C nutrition uh, guy. And he's spoken a lot. He kind of has this, like, a series on his uh, Instagram about like anxiety and uh, the things that he's faced, uh, which is really, really, really interesting. So I've chatted a lot with him about it. But yeah, it's just like you don't know what other people are going through. Yeah, until, exactly. Like, you see it. And I think in sport, I think in sport specifically, because you don't want to show any signs of weakness mm. and I think that's such a big part of it like even down to like stupid things like having um beige colored uh tape you're like no one knows i'm injured but you're covered in tape, tape yeah. they um, can still see it yeah, it's the beige but it's beige <laughs> um because you don't want your opponent to you don't want to ha give them an inch because they're going to take a mile so like I think people are quite wary about opening up until maybe like after their career. Yeah. Um, but I think just you know no matter how much you're struggling off court or any like difficulties you have off court doesn't change your uh, potential on court. Mm. I think even if you're I've been having like the worst time off court and I've played some of my best badminton because it's been a total distraction Probably. and it's been like you can just put four walls up around the court and you're like the world does not exist for this hour and you can just like it also almost makes me focus more because I'm like okay if I'm not thinking about badminton I know what I will be thinking <laughs> yeah. about so I'm gonna be thinking about badminton. And it's I just kind like, of have that with like sickness as well. Yeah. Like if I'm feeling sick or something, then I'm like, okay, like I have to like be all switched on. Otherwise, I have no chance. Like I feel like shit. I just have to like play my absolute best. And sometimes I play like so much better because yeah. of it. <laughs> it's like an extra motivator almost. Yeah, yeah definitely. You, like overcompensate for it. You do overcompensate. <laughs> and yeah, and I actually quite like feeling average in a warm up because then you go on court and you're like, okay, I'm not feeling great, so we're gonna go extra hard. Whereas if you're like warming up and you're like, 
I feel quite good (laughs) and you get like cocky about it and then you go on court and they come at you a million miles an hour and you're like oh I don't feel good anymore (laughs) so yeah like maybe I like feeling stressed yeah (laughs) I overcompensate for it yeah Another thing I feel is that because badminton is so Asian dominated, I feel like mental health is just way overlooked kind of throughout Asia, especially like within badminton where the players are kind of just treated as if, I don't know, they're more just like kind of machines a bit. In, it's a rotating door. Like yeah. If, if you're not. Good yeah. It's like if you're not up to it, you're not going to cut it. And like yeah. you've just got to be there. I think, yeah, that's something we probably take for granted and you know, Australia and Europe, mm. the fact that well, I talk about like being quite collaborative with coaches and that also comes down to like saying, oh, I'm not okay today. Or I fill out a training diary every single day and it's like sleep hours, how well you slept, how motivated you are that day. And like, I've been filling it out every day for the last two and a half years, like every day, like every day. If you don't fill it out, you have to do cows on the assault bike. So like, I'm gonna be filling that out every day. <laughs> um, so yeah. I don't want to make any judgments, but I don't feel like is afforded to the Asian, some Asian players or mm. countries. But, you know, if we're leading the way on that kind of thing, that maybe they will take it into account more mm. than, they, than yeah. they do now, mm. which can only be a good thing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that even, say, fans or people watching, they might not even know what people go through because all they see is the, the jump smashes the high performance and all they see is the crowds cheering for them, yelling for them, this, the the prize money they get, the sponsors they get, the yeah. all of the press conferences, and they don't really see what's actually past it. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, like, so much that you – I'm, I'm also an advocate of having, like, a private life. I'm like, there is maybe only so much that you would want to share, but – I think if you're going to be in a sport like badminton, the community's quite like it's quite intimate. Like fans can get to know players quite well, and I think everyone's pretty good on social media, and you you do let little bits of your personality come out. And I think you can't just share the the perfect, amazing parts, hmm. um, no matter how much we would want to. That doesn't say that doesn't. That's not to say that you have to like share every tiny detail of what you're going through with with everyone. But I think it's no bad thing to just be like, okay, I get to go out and compete in front of millions of people, and I, I love doing it. But I think you can also be quite honest about how how hard it is as yeah. well. Bit of vulnerability potentially a little bit yeah but then people are so um afraid to do that yeah because we don't want to show weakness yeah exactly and so it's a it's a vicious cycle i don't really have the answer to that to be honest <laughs> i always relate it back to say dentistry being my profession as well mm-hmm. that a lot of people will only come in come for their appointments when they're in pain or when there's something wrong or yeah something that's happening but we recommend just the regular checkups to get things right or to pick things up before they definitely they do it such a good way to think but if you think about mental health it just becomes more like hey you only go if there's a problem yeah and if you go for any other reason there's something wrong with you yeah not if someone going for their regular checkups for a dentist you don't say hey what's wrong with you why are you going for your checkups Mm -hmm. but for mental health it's completely different definitely there was a a english comedian james acaster who was on a a radio program and he was kind of talking about he'd had a really tough year and he'd kind of been drinking and not sleeping very well and stuff like that and um one of the 
uh, guys on the panel was like, really, it was that bad? And it was like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it was that bad. And I feel like especially men aren't really allowed to say that or they're not encouraged to say that. Um, and then he goes on to say, like, he goes to counselling or therapy, even when he doesn't need to, or it, it shouldn't get, it shouldn't need to get that bad before you go to see someone. Yeah. Like, even just to chat with a friend could be like the, the first step. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, therapy or counselling. But yeah, it's like a, a good start and just just don't bottle things up, guys. Just don't bottle things up. Words of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Next tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> don't bottle. Actually, that band Muna that I was talking about earlier, um, I just went to see them in concert and they've got a song called It's Gonna Be Okay, Baby. And I feel like that's maybe going to be my next tattoo. Next tattoo. Like, it's going to be yep. okay. Nice. Because <laughs> nice, I feel like... Nice it's always okay like no matter how bad things get like it's gonna be okay mm. so yeah, yeah there you go yeah. next tattoo <laughs> so moving on from badminton when was it that you kind of realized that you wanted to go to film school was it you know you just like watched the most amazing film and you were like that's what i want to do or how did it happen um i have a bit of like um when I get into something, I like kind of become obsessed with it. Um, so I think one of the first things I remember getting really obsessed with was like the f first Harry Potter. And I mean, I'm talking VHS, Harry Potter and Philosopher's Stone. I have watched it 30 plus times. I, I'm pretty sure I can quote it all. Oh yeah, oh definitely. <laughs> we should watch it and just quote it We should, we would drive everyone crazy. Yeah, we drive me crazy. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not cool. No one wants to sit with someone that knows the whole film. But hey, I'm Oh god! So I used to just watch that on a loop, and not for like the filmmaking or anything, but just um, as I got older, I realised that film was films were like the only thing that I was like really interested in outside of badminton. I just could not see myself like doing economics or business or anything highly academic really. Um, I was okay in school, like I was fine at high school, um, an A, three, four Bs and a C, like that's, it's fine. I wasn't <laughs> like a genius or anything, um, but I just thought I need to study something that I like or else I really don't care. I either like love something or I just really don't care. Um, so yeah, I kind of sacrificed convenience and geography for film school or like UWS because University of the West of Scotland, it was, they have a few different campuses on the West of Scotland. And I went to the Air Campus, which is on the coast, which is about a 50 minute drive, which in Scottish terms is like real long. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's no, like my everyday like, training. Like yeah. train. <laughs> for you guys, that's like nothing, but that's almost like across the country for us. Um, so yeah, it was, I was kind of bouncing between training and air for university, but um, I knew I would have to study something that I really liked. So yeah. Great. All right, Kirsty. so just wrapping up here, we've had a bit of a discussion about a few different things. And usually what we ask at the end from all of our guests is to give a little bit of advice or some words of wisdom potentially for all the listeners out there, whether they be aspiring professional players, club players, they don't play much at all, they just watch and listen to the podcast. What would you say would be a good takeaway, you think, from this episode? 
Ooh, I think you won't love it unless you're with people that you enjoy being around. So I'd say make sure you have some sort of a, a community around it, uh, whether that's performance orientated or just like fun orientated. Um, I think badminton's so great for that because like I say, like you could have your whole family playing it from like your tiniest little cousins to your grandma and grandpa. Um, so whether it's a family thing or a friends thing, I think enjoy who you're doing it uh, with. In a more like professional capacity, I think like find what you like how you play best and then just stick with that and trust it. I think a big thing for me in the last four or five years and the last four or five coaches has been like one thing that I do very well is take instruction. Um, and now it's come to the point where I'm having to make decisions, but I've got four or five different options of how to do a thing and I'm, I'm a bit mixed up. So I'm trying to like, right now I'm trying to get back to what makes me, me on a badminton court. I'm trying to get back there and then just like elevate it. Um, so I think, yeah, just trust yourself and trust your instincts. Like there's only so many routines you can run and techniques you can practice before it all just has to click in and become automatic. So I'd say like trust your instincts. And because you, I mean, you're not going to have much else is when the shuttle's traveling 100 miles an hour at your face. So yeah, trust your instincts. Awesome. And if the audience wants to keep track of your progress, especially your, basically your plans now, so in terms of badminton, where you see it taking you, how could they basically follow you or see how you're doing? Um, they can follow me on all the usual social media platforms. I think Facebook, it's like Kay Gilmore Badminton. Uh, Instagram, it's Kirsty Gilmore with an extra R on the end because who took the other one? Because the other Kirsty Gilmore has the has the regular one, yeah. <laughs> and the same on Twitter, Kirsty Gilmore with an extra R on the end. Sure. Um, I think there is a Kirsty Gilmore that got inundated like at Commonwealth Games and stuff. With oh really? We just like hold the tags. Like, who stuff. is this person? <laughs> yeah. What is this sport? <laughs> so sorry, uh, the real Kirsty Gilmore, um, but this imposter uh, has been taking over your your social medias. Um, yeah, mostly I'm probably most active on Instagram, so that would be sure. the the place to go. Yep. And with that, sorry, Kirsty, what can we expect to be seeing from you down the track? Uh, right now, it's just uh, Olympic qualification, so that's up until April. I think the European Champs is maybe the, the last event. If I, that could be lies, but no, I think that's I right. I think it is. Yeah, I think that's After right. Singapore. Yeah, that's the one. So yeah, and then it'll just be trying to fight for seedings for the Olympics up until end of July. Uh, and then it'll be the Olympic Games, hopefully all going smoothly. And I mean, I've not really planned my life after that. The minute that last shuttle drops on the floor at Tokyo, should I qualify? I mean, I'm not gonna know what to do with myself. Um, it's gonna be a little bit of a holiday, I imagine. And then um, probably back to it and the, looking- The look badminton film? <laughs> Maybe, I don't, don't know if I'll take that big a break. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then it'll be, we're quite, we're all quite lucky that we're in the Commonwealth. So we've always got like something. Every two years, every it makes a years. huge difference. It really it? does. Like I can't imagine not having the Commonwealth as like a, an in-between Olympics. Yeah. Imagine you were just every four years and like you had to get your head around a four year cycle. We've got such a nice like stepping stone in between mm -hmm. all of that. So yeah, my attention will turn to, um, 2022 Commonwealth Games, which is is in um, exotic 
Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or so, Wellington Hall. Yeah, yeah probably. Most probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Most definitely. So yeah, uh, more more badminton. Uh, if you follow me on on the medias, badminton and very cute niece pictures. Trying to cute Ca- babies. Coffee, 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 foods, all those good things. Cool. And new tattoo. And hey, I'm probably all, there's always going to be a new tattoo somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So from everyone here at the Badminton Podcast, thanks so much for tuning in and really hope you've enjoyed getting to know Kirsty better because I definitely know you a lot better just after this conversation. Yeah. We're going to keep getting guests on like Kirsty from the professional badminton scene as well as club level, social level, because everyone's important. We love everyone because we all love badminton and that's the main thing. And as Kirsty was saying, it is about the community and the people you hang out with. It's really, really important. And that's the reason why we have this podcast is so that we can have a group of people that loves badminton, shares the same interest and just have a, has a really good sense of belonging because everyone wants to belong and no one wants to be alone and by themselves, especially in a sport that is very underappreciated. And we just want the world to know how incredible our sport is because it actually, it's actually awesome. It, it, like, like when you stop I, and think about it, it really is. It's actually, <laughs> sometimes I'm just watching and I'm just, my mind's just blown and it's like, what is this? Why are they so good? And then people just think I'm crazy. That's, that, that, that's my 10 out of 10 weirdness. Yeah, from, from a kind of like a normal non-badminton person. Like, what is that sport? I play that in the backyard. Yeah, that's where your weirdness comes in. Yeah. You're geeking out about stuff. badminton. Sure. Oh, yeah. And if you'd like to um, contact me also, I'm just Grania Somerville on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And if you want to get in contact with us at the Badminton Podcast and Volantware, you can follow us on our social media. That is Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and TikTok. We're on TikTok. Ooh. We're on TikTok. We You're don't have much out TikTok. There. Yeah, Kirsty's favourite is, is TikTok. I've actually. recently become <laughs> a little bit obsessed and it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our handle is Volantware, V-O-L-A-N-T-W-E-A-R, or you can contact us via our website, www.volantware.com and the badminton podcast on instagram no spaces is the handle make sure you share these podcasts with people that you think would like it and make sure that you keep playing badminton because it's a sport to be playing thanks kirsty nice one thanks guys thank you Bye. bye this podcast was brought to you by volantware the most versatile badminton apparel you'll ever own 